Hi, I'm Jason. I'm John. And I'm Marquis. And this is Just Just Getting Getting By. A free talk forum about the creative process and the wounds that hold us back from achieving our goals. Each week, building a roadmap through dialogue with working and struggling artists about how to better manifest a successful show business career. Hi everyone, it's Marquis. This week we spoke with Caleb Hammonds. Despite studying acting while attending NYU, Caleb no longer considers himself an artist. Rather, he identifies as a curator. Earlier this year, he won a Tony Award in the category of Best Musical Revival for Oklahoma. His ability to pinpoint talent and his steadfast dedication to a project has been the recipe for success at all levels. He currently teaches and organizes theater festivals at Bard College. We spoke about growing up as a gay creative in Kentucky and how that informed his determination to surround himself with the people who brought him joy and prosperity in the arts. He is a lovely human being and we are very jealous of his students. I'm sure everyone can learn a few things from him. This is our interview with Caleb Hammonds. Well, so do you remember when, so I know you from a dream play. Yeah. I ran your soundboard yeah. or something like this. What was that? Was, were you a Strindberg? I was, I think I was a freshman, but I was thinking maybe it was the year that I transferred to ETW. Okay, yeah. But I don't remember. What year did you graduate? That was in 2007. Was okay, that, though? Your, I was a freshman. Yeah, that was, was that my, thesis that was my, yeah. So that was my senior year. Cool. Yeah. Yeah, I yeah. was a freshman. That was my freshman, like, theater crew. Oh, right. You're requirement. a freshman. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. But yeah. I remember loving that show. Oh, thanks. The surrealism and then the numbers. Like, I remember so clearly the Nina Simone. What's it? I'm just a soul and, Yeah. Misunderstood. Yeah, misunderstood. That's why you were singing that all morning. Uh-huh. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it, was your, it was in your memory. Oh, well. That so, was the last piece of theater I made. Was oh, it the wow. first? Huh. Uh, no, it wasn't the first, but it was the last. <laughs> and how about that? Okay, so, I know. So then what was that transition? What um, happened after that? I don't know. I mean, I think that when... I think that by the time I graduated, I thought about making work, but I... I started working like as a day job in arts admin stuff. And so that just kind of not took, uh, took over, but I mean, even like in that, even when I was working like a desk job, uh, I wanted to get, I was like getting myself involved in other things like working for free or, or no money or having these side hustles. Mm -hmm. Um, and that just kind of turned into somehow creating a a, a, a career in <laughs> producing and curating and and which became like I guess the thing that was that that substituted the creative fulfillment of like actually being an artist and making something and just being on the other end of that as a facilitator or creating space or context for 
other people. So for you, there's like a clear demarcation between like, I'm creating this, I'm the director, versus I'm on the production team and I'm facilitating. Yeah, is the producer like, artist? Do you not consider what you no, do? No, I mean, do you I think it's creative. No, I think it's, I wouldn't consider myself an artist, but I think it's mm-hmm. creative work. Mm-hmm. I think that there's something like, there's definitely something, because uh, I think if there wasn't some sort of creative fulfillment in it, then I wouldn't want to do it anymore. Mm-hmm. Uh but and, at the same time, it's like slightly more business oriented. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I don't. I don't think that I would like put a line down the middle and say that you know that oh, you're either an One artist or, or an administrator, or you're either you know, um, because they're th- because the things that are I think important to me about it are the the fact that you're making something with a group of people mm-hmm. uh, and that there's a creative dialogue at play. Like, and it's something that um, I teach this, I sometimes teach this class at Bard to the seniors uh, who are dance and theater majors. And it's, it's kind of like they're, how to what, what do you do after you leave mm-hmm. <laughs> and how how do you start to think about um like finding yourself outside of a outside of this academic context where you have resources available to you you have like you're creating based on assignments mm-hmm. and there's there's accountability there that's um coming from someone else and that you, you know, if you need a rehearsal studio, you just go to the iPad at the front desk and reserve, you know, (laughs) reserve some time in the rehearsal studio. Um, And then like, what do you do when you don't have that uh, structure anymore? What do you do? Well, I don't, I mean, I I don't know that there's really a right answer answer or a roadmap, but what we talk about a lot and what I try to, um, what I try to like, like help them start to realize is back to this idea of the creative, like being, applying this creative spirit to not only like the work that you're making, but how you're making it. And so that you know when it's it's not just about like how how interesting or or good or or whatever is the is the thing that you're making but how are you also thinking about how you're making it and who you're making it for and how you're going to get it out in the world and like not letting yourself get bogged down or um we say this thing to them a lot, which is like, no one is coming. And so like, no one's going to come and just suddenly be like, you have permission to do this or like, here's a million dollars or here's this amazing opportunity. You just have to assume from the beginning that that's never going to happen. And you can't let that be in any way a a roadblock. Like you have to understand that if you're going to do it, you have to do it you have to do it for yourself and you have to do it because you have, it's like you were saying earlier, because like you just have this impulse and this desire and in a way, no other choice. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like that's one of the most valuable things to hear when you're exiting school. I think a lot of us 
get caught in that like spiral after finishing school. It's like, where am I going with this? You're not going to class every morning. There's not a deadline on these projects. Mm -hmm. There's no, Mm -hmm. like you said, roadmap. So it's kind of just like, oh, I feel stuck and stupid. And then there's this thing too, where it's like, oh, even if you do get one project off the ground, there's this part in the back of your brain that's maybe thinking, oh, well, I'm going to be discovered as soon as that, like, oh, right. as soon yeah. as yeah, I yeah, know yeah, this yeah, one yeah. thing, then everyone's going to love yeah. it. And it's <laughs> and like, then, or like, you know, like, oh, I graduated, I've moved to New York, and if I don't make something, if I don't, like, show work in the city within the next year, then I'm just going to fade away <laughs> into <laughs> obscurity forever. And it's, it's like, oh, you know, just slow down, you know, <laughs> it's, uh, this is something... Because I, I just think, like, if you're going to do, if you're really going to dive in and do this, you're not going to get away from it after, I mean, you know, I think part of this seems to be that you all are coming back to these creative practices. It's like a beginning yeah, moment. Yeah, yeah. Which is like, well, it's, that's fine. I mean, it's... It's never too late. It's never late. too late. It's never going to stop. And I think that we are, it's like we're in this unique field. I think when you are an artist or you have an artistic practice where you're doing something that is, uh, that is, that gets professionalized in a very, um, un, uh, uh, unspecific way like what what where are those guidelines right like you know you have a you have a a law degree now and you know that's a very it's like you went you you went to you went to this you went through the school you got the degree you passed the bar like there was like this certification that and this list of uh requirements that you had to meet and expectations that you had to meet and then someone who is whoever the bar what the authority granted by them are like okay Mm -hmm. now like you can call yourself a lawyer and you can practice law where it's you know we have our bfas and what does that do like how you know is that like granted like you know touching you with the scepter and being like and now you're an artist but um Mm-mm. which <laughs> is you like have yeah a desk award or right you yeah and so you're you like you're like well what is what does any of that mean because like there are always going to be people who um there are always going to be people people who are who are just doing this for and making work and performing and painting and playing music and just for the the joy of it and what it brings in terms of just human fulfillment <laughs> as a pursuit. Um, and I think that when, I think that that can often get sidetracked when you sort of put the focus on, oh, like I have to do, I have to, I have to like, be successful at this right and what is even that measure of success is that world success is it locally and it's like once you've achieved it in some form it's like okay now i need the next form of success and i need to take it a step further and it's hard being an artist of any form yeah and i look at you know i i of all these artists that 
I work with and have worked with and who's in some ways who's like careers that I've seen change and grow for over 10 years and that you could look at them from the outside and be like, oh, this person is so successful because they've had productions here and here and here and they've won this and that and whatever. I can't really think of any of those people who actually make a hundred percent of their income by just making their art. Mm-hmm. Like there's all like they're teaching, they're doing workshops, they're and most of them are teaching. You know? right. So it's like that's that's real. Like it's not you can't you you could also look at you know someone you look at someone who has like a Pulitzer Prize and a show on Broadway and they still have a teaching gig because mm-hmm. it's uh, Are you thinking of anybody in particular? I'm thinking of lots of people actually. I'm just thinking about like all these and uh I'm just thinking about like most of these playwrights who most of these like American playwrights that you would look at and say like you know, like the Annie Bakers and the Brandon Jacobs Jenkins and Young Jean Lee and Jackie Sillies Drury and like they they're incredibly successful artists, but mm-hmm. it's not it's just the nature of what we do is not gonna lend itself to you being able to like actually sustain yourself. Uh yeah. So there's like, yeah, the economics of the economics, yes. Theater in particular is, you know, compared to film and TV, Mm -hmm. obviously is more of a struggle. Is that because, in your opinion, do you think it's more because there's like less of an audience, more outdated or less people? Or do you think that's like because so many people are going after it that we don't have to be as well compensated or like what... You know, where does this, like, economic deficiency stem from? Uh, it, I think it's... Well, it stems from the fact that... Uh, what it's... it's That what we do is live, and it's real, and requires bodies in rooms for right. amounts of time, and uh, is in many cases made specifically for to be seen by a handful of people. There's um, not a lot of play, uh, product placement yeah. there either. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's a yeah. big thing. Like the advertising dollars and what comes from TV right. and film and even in music, there's so much advertising that goes into that where when it comes to plays, when it comes to shows on Broadway, we're not seeing as much as that. Like sometimes mm-hmm. there is some sponsorships or what have mm-hmm. you, but that may not take you to, oh, I can quit every day job that I've yeah. had or every Purity doesn't project. translate into dollar signs. No. Exactly. And it's in the nature of what we do is never going to be made more efficient by technology necessarily. Exactly. Because, I mean... I mean, unless it was just, like, all holograms, but... <laughs> Could you imagine a VR play? It's like, I'm going to Broadway on an Oculus VR. Happen. Yeah, uh, I'm sure it'll happen at some point. Yeah, but, but would um, that be different than a VR movie, or...? See, the thing is, it wouldn't, because the whole thing with the <laughs> VR is, like, you are simulating a reality, yeah. but 
I think there's something you need a live component. It, it's it's exactly. stemming from a live, yeah, stemming yeah, from yeah. a live moment. Yeah, yeah. And this is this is a great thing to workshop. Uh, the thing, <laughs> yeah, honestly, we should, the we thing is, we have seen we have seen how it has changed a bit with um, Broadway musicals becoming um, network specials. Sure. So like Hairspray yeah, yeah. on NBC yeah, 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 yeah. or. They did Grease on Fox. They did Rent on Fox. But I don't think Rent did very well. I don't. I think Rent might have been at the end of a chapter. However, it, <laughs> I do think I don't know. If they, however, well, Rent, yeah. Rent didn't do as well because um, someone had broke their foot the night before, right. so it wasn't actually live. And people were, oh, we're so upset. But it's like at the end of the day, like this is a live show, and unfortunately, someone was hurt. So yeah, what right. would welcome you to theater, help, you know? <laughs> right, welcome to theater. So Caleb, are you? From Kentucky, because I'm seeing a. Oh, I am. Okay, because yeah. I saw a Kentucky cookbook oh, and a tattoo on your arm. So in a flag. A I, oh wow! Yes, there's there's a representation here. So tell me what it was like growing up in Kentucky. I don't think I know uh, anybody. What area too? From Kentucky. I grew up in southeastern Kentucky, which is down in the Cumberland Gap area, so very close to like Tennessee and Virginia. Mm. Were you country. out in when you were there? No. No, not until New York. Okay. Yeah. Um, which was I think like part of like, oh, I have to get out of I have to get out of here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it's you know, I mean it's a great place to um it was a great place to grow up. Why? Because I think it was um it was, it was, uh, it forced me to understand, like, what is, to, like, seek out what is possible as an, as an alternative. Mm-hmm. Um, and it what like, these, these sorts of things weren't necessarily, I think because, like, growing up, in, like, coming from a very, very small town, and being and just saying like oh I want I want to be an actor which is what I wanted to be at that time it was it's, it's like well that's just completely insane and uh, bec- I think in in a way because it was so far fetched that it drove me to try to like just try harder yeah. <laughs> to You're make it happen yeah. you know that I knew that it wasn't something that was just going to be um handed to me, handed to me and or or and I was really going to have to like find my own way toward making that happen mm-hmm. when there weren't as many readily available uh, even opportunities to. So you, you know, were you were kind of honing the skill back then of fi- of like I need to go find the people that can make yeah. the world around me the yeah. place I want it to be, which then became your art as curation. Ultimately. Yeah, yeah, I guess that. Yeah, that that that's so, the that parallel. So you graduate <laughs> from NYU. You do the dream play with Strindberg was, mm-hmm. uh, and and then yeah. Um, so you're. You know, you're graduated. You have the BFA. You've you've been you've been told you're an artist by New York University. <laughs> uh, how do you parlay that into whatever happened next? What did uh, happen next? I well, I started working um, a couple months after graduation. I got a job as an assistant at Actors Equity, <laughs> which was. Um, 
I can't be in the union sort right away. Like, I'll, yeah, uh, just I'll like dive them. right in mm-hmm. there. And I thought, you know, like, okay, if I'm going to have, you know, the nine to five day job, at least it's somehow adjacent to this this world that I'm trying to join or, or be a part of. Mm-hmm. But then I, um, I feel like I even still to this day have um like a a side like a side hustle of just you know like passion projects or passion artists that I will do things with or um take on these small uh these small projects because it's uh it's very it brings some sort of fulfillment and so i think i I mean i started doing that really because it was i i uh i think just through like mutual friends or colleagues or connections that um i just i think i soon realized like okay so i have this i have this day job that's from nine to five. It's super easy. Um, I didn't have a lot to do. (laughs) (laughs) And, uh, then I, and I had, and it was like, you know, that, that kind of like, I, I walk out of here at five and I don't have to think about it. Mm -hmm. This was like before smartphones, before (laughs) like there was email on your phone or, you know, that like work hours just infinitely extended. Um, and so it, it, I knew that, um, I needed to like have some sort of fulfillment outside of that. And so I just started asking people what I could do, like to be like, do you need help? Or, you know, like, is there, do you have this, oh, you're doing this project, like, do you need help? And it's a general question to ask. Yeah, it's not, yeah, you know, right. Can I, can I run lights? Can I um, produce this? You know, making you yourself just, available. Yeah, yeah, and and just, like, getting, finding myself then just getting to be, like, in the room or in adjacent to all of these amazing artists and um, not really necessarily... I mean, definitely going into it knowing that I wanted something from them, which was, like, to just get that experience, but... But it was vague. But it was... Yeah. So you were able to to, uh, hone in on your identity by being vague at first. And to not not feel... And to not make it, like... um, To not make it, like, I I just, like, wanted uh, to be able to say, like, oh, I worked on this or whatever but mm-hmm. like that I actually like there was something that I could bring to it to make myself useful to that ex- to that process or that person or that project um whether that was just like you know running a box office or whatever like showing up and doing you know just figuring out how to be how to like fill the gaps of what needed to be done so how did that manifest uh what did that manifest into what did that manifest into that kind of manifested into everything i've done since (laughs) was there a specific something that you did that like made you feel like i want to be a producer 
no, I don't know if it was specific, but it just, I guess I just, I slowly realized that, um, I was, I was good at, there were things that I was good at that, uh, artists needed help with, uh, and that it was, uh, exciting to just feel useful mm -hmm. <laughs> and to be a part of, uh, and to be a part of a process with someone or to feel like that you were, that I was in some way, uh, contributing. What are those skills? What are those things that you bring to the table? Um, I think that I'm, I, th I think that I am, uh, I think that there's, well, there's, there's a couple things. Uh, I think that m the majority of being a producer is being a diplomat. Yeah. Uh, and I think that I can be, I think I can be very um, empathetic and uh, under, and, and like, I think I, I, I think I can, you know, like in this, there's, there's a lot of emotion that kind of can come up in certain times when people are working together in close proximity mm -hmm. on, you know, something that everyone cares very, very deeply about. Uh, and I think I'm, I think that I am good at listening to, uh, people and helping translate. discern and translate and prioritize and like, you know, really make understand, really help other people listen as well mm. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> to what's actually true. happening or what someone's actually saying or what actually needs to happen to move forward. Um, and I think that that's an, I think that that's important. Uh, and then also just that so many times, uh, there are so many other, there are so many other things that go into, I guess the creating the conditions under which either an artist can really successfully make work and then also to present that work and, what that means just in terms of um, like how you how you go about think you know what kind of space is it in or where what is the experience that the audience has um, and how do all of those components of like actually bringing the thing to life and manifesting this experience where people are coming to see this work, like how do all of those elements um, tied together? And uh, yeah. So I guess that's <laughs> still, so it sounds like part of what led to your success was like, there was not a lot of ego involved. Like you were saying, I will do whatever you need to do. I'm gonna help you out for free. You know, it wasn't like, oh, I'm only gonna be part of this. I'm at the star of the show of I'm getting paid this much is like, okay, yeah, really like join this team, like that teamwork mentality. Um, but I'm curious now where you're at in your career, mm -hmm. would you still work for free? 
Um, I think it depends on the project. Uh, and the person, you know? Like, if there's, um... Because there's still, there's still that desire. I mean, I found myself now being like, oh, I wish I had a hobby. (laughs) (laughs) Because, uh, I think... I think that that would be fun to like have something else uh-huh. to do <laughs> that, that felt like it was. Um, and sometimes like things will feel like that. If like I, uh, it's been a long time since I've really done something uh, that wasn't uh, like a like actually paid or. Uh, or professionalized in some way, but I find myself more and more like wishing that I had that or like could, could just let myself, uh, dive into like taking up some kind of craft or, (laughs) (laughs) or pursuit within, you know, this outside would you oh outside yeah 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 yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. like for some other flow you can get into yeah yeah so you would recommend to listeners uh, theater artists in particular have a hobby yeah because i think it's i mean there's we do because what we do is something that (laughs) excuse me that um a lot of people do for fun or for as a hobby. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then it's also what a lot of people do for their socialization, you know, to socialize. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's difficult, I think, you know, like in the context of the summer, for example, uh, with our festival at Bard and we have the Spiegelton and it's every weekend uh from next weekend through the middle of august mm-hmm. and yes. so it's uh that becomes like just what i'm doing every mm-hmm. weekend i'm always there uh and it's uh there's part of that that's like oh i have no free weekends in the entire summer uh or like you know like i have i'm like working every weekend i'm there this like i uh but then on the other hand of that, it's like, well, it's actually a really fun social experience. <laughs> but it's it's like, like, like heck, how do you start to uh, separate, like, well, yeah, but it would be nice if I could, like, I don't know, go to a movie or go, you know, go do something totally different. Um, but we, but I just think that that's the, we get it, we get sort of trapped in, in I'm not trapped because it sounds... Like it's uh, like it's a prison or something, but like we caught up, I guess, in in devoting so much time uh, to the to the work uh, that I think it's easy to not um, to not let yourself sort of step away from it and and have another pursuit or an interest, yeah. So since yeah. graduating from school, mm-hmm. what are some of your biggest accomplishments or the things you're most proud of in your career? 
Don't um, be shy. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, w- I guess, like, I feel like I've gotten to do pretty much everything that I've wanted to do. Or, like, that I've gotten to work with the artists that I want to work with. I have gotten to travel a lot. And I've gotten to be a part of projects that I feel really proud of that I think were or hopefully are going to be those kind of projects that like people remember mm-hmm. or like have some sort of impact on uh, the field in a longer term. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't, I, and uh, I also feel like I've been able to figure out what are the, what's important to me about, uh, about the work, about art or about live performance or making work and, um, which is an accomplishment in itself. (laughs) I guess so. Yeah. I mean, it's, I, I feel that, I mean, I feel lucky. Like I have a full-time job doing what I want to do. Um, and get to be, and it and it's, and it's creatively fulfilling. So that's I think that's the accomplishment is that like I have I feel content, and not content in like a in a stagnant like, way. In like a, yeah, and because I think that there's still a lot that I want to do and. You what looked especially things? content when I saw you on TV somewhat recently. Tell me, <laughs> tell me, about, tell me about that experience. Yeah. What, what, why, uh, why did I see you there again? So, yeah, so that, well, that was, uh, yeah, so we, we won, won a Tony Award Ooh. for uh, Best Revival of a Musical. So that was one of the, yeah, I'm very proud of, I'm very proud of that show. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it was, it was one of the most difficult and long cooking um, processes to go through, but it was, it was so worth it. And I think we all knew that from the beginning, but when did it get started? So the, the piece, the concept like initially started, it's like one of those weird things where I feel like the first time I heard about it, I sort of had this, I knew that, it was like one of those things where it was like, if this ever happens again, I feel like I have to be a part of it. And like, which project is this? This is Oklahoma, okay. the, the uh, Broadway revival Oklahoma, directed by Daniel Fish. So Daniel first, um, Daniel first directed the uh, a production of Oklahoma in two thousand seven with undergraduate students at Bard, and that's when he started developing this concept of this kind of stripped down version where everyone's in this room together, sitting at tables and um, there's chili served. And <laughs> it's a, just a very like intimate and um, uh, pre- very present uh, 
excavation of this musical. And um, it kind of became this thing of legend uh, that a lot of people, a lot of uh, people in the theater field saw. And um, for many years after that, Daniel wanted to find a way to continue to develop the concept in a professional context. Um, but it was just super tricky to uh, get the rights in a professional context and also to um, open the door for the conversation around the the concept itself and how he wanted to approach the material. And so the, my colleague at Bard, Gideon Lester, who's the artistic director, he and I both, before we were at Bard, um, both had, uh, both knew Daniel, knew about this project and had independently of one another done some pursuit of trying to make, trying to redo the, uh, the version or continue to develop the version in a professional context in our previous, in previous jobs that we had before being at Bard. And then when we both got to Bard, um, we were looking for a project for our 2015 summer festival. And we had just started talking to Daniel about something else. And, and then we were all kind of like, well, why not try to go down this road again? <laughs> um, and, uh, because, you know, he, the idea had started there and, it was a project that Gideon and I had already been obsessed with for a long time. And we were like, well, you know, if, if we try it again and the doors start to open and it's meant to be, then we'll do it. And it kind of was miraculous that um, the doors did start opening and we got very unexpectedly um, access to the Rodgers and Hammerstein estate that we didn't have before and opened up that conversation. Uh, and we, we presented the, we presented the first professional production of the concepts at Bard Summerscape in 2015. And, um, it was, it was wonderful, and we were so proud of it, and uh, pleased with how it turned out, and also kind of, you know, we went into it just, at that point, it was like, you know, if we can just make this happen, that's enough. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, because it was just such, it's something that just had been cooking for so long, and to actually get to realize it finally, um, was very meaningful to everyone. And we didn't have 
we didn't necessarily, we didn't, I mean, we, we didn't, it was the first time that, it was the first time I'd ever produced a musical. And it was the first time that Bard had ever produced a musical in the context of the summer festival. And uh, we didn't have, we didn't have any sort of future rights from Rogers and Hammerstein. Like it was very much a like, we're, we're interested in this idea, but we're going to proceed cautiously, <laughs> do the production at Bard. Mm-hmm. We'll see how it goes. And um, it was hugely successful. And, but then it did, it just took a long time for it to continue on into a future life. Um, but what did that take? Was there fundraising effort? Like, uh, it was, it was, it was fundraising. It was finding the right people to, uh, partner with, to, to take the thing on its journey. Um, and also just really, yeah, like being, trying to be strategic about like, what is the best, what's the best path forward for, this show Mm -hmm. and how does it continue to grow and develop while also maintaining the integrity of what was so special about it in the first place about the concept and about the experience that you have seeing it um uh, because when we when when it started as a student production at Bard in 2007, it was uh, for an audience of 80 people. Mm. And then when we did it in 2015, it was 180 people. Uh-oh. And then the big a big part of the challenge became like, well, how do you continue to um, scale up this experience? Mm. Uh, that's meant to be like the the that the, the the like core element of this concept is that we're all in this room together and uh that the that the audience is very present uh and feels immediately connected to the the show and so then you know we move to St. Anne's Warehouse in Brooklyn for the off-Broadway transfer, which was like 380 seats. Mm -hmm. And then um, very luckily, uh, Circle in the Square opened up. It's the only theater on Broadway that's in the round. Mm -hmm. And um, so what what felt very... um, crazy about it was that it was four years between when the production happened at Bard and when it transferred to St. Anne's and then the Broadway transfer happened so fast (laughs) um, that it it sort of just took us all like what? Like how did (laughs) like how did this happen? Like what? We're we're finding ourselves now like with this show on Broadway it's very... Did it retain the cast uh, much of the cast from 2015 to, to yeah, yeah, yeah. Or Every, there, there are currently because we, we added some 
we we grew the cast by two people um but there are still one two three four i think there are still six of the six of the 11 cast members are still uh the same from the 2015 production. Wow, nice. And one of the cast members, Patrick Vale, who plays Judd, um, has played Judd in every iteration of this concept of the musical since he student? was a senior since 2007? Bard. Oh, yeah. wow. so special. In 2007, yeah. So for, for him and the director at the yeah. 70s was just like, what? Yeah. That was a very, very That's long phenomenal. journey for them. <laughs> so what's next for you? Um, gearing up for this summer. Um, okay, but things that aren't yeah. actually oh, on the things calendar. That aren't on the you calendar. know what I mean? Like, what yeah, yeah, are you yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, like me. For you? Like oh, you, you, you. Oh, okay, like yeah. you. Oh, my God. Yeah, you're going to circle oh, back. No one ever asked me like, that. <laughs> <laughs> to you as... Creator, yeah, director, yeah. I kind of, um, right. No one asked you, but we're asking you, right? Yeah. yeah. Well, you know, I think like going a little, going back to um, the previous question where we were talking about like what accomplishment that I feel good about, which uh, or or in this idea of like being able to figure out what's important to me. Mm-hmm. And I think that that has been, um, I think that that's like manifesting itself in this way of, um, how we are starting to approach, uh, what we do at, at Bard at the Fisher center is as a incubator and like long-term, uh, to, to develop these long-term relationships with a handful of artists uh, and really to work over several years on with, with like not real expectations or like real goals or like finished kind of, uh, you know, deadlines of like, oh, we're going to do X, Y, and Z, but just to um, be able to like, establish a long working relationship with an artist and a trust and a and a uh, collaboration that uh, is manifesting these uh, wonderful projects and that you can see it sort of reflected in the nature of the work and what's able to be accomplished of you know and I think a lot of that came out of the success of Oklahoma and how um, it was, it became very important to us that the story be told that it wasn't just this thing that like popped up out of nowhere right. and <laughs> that there was re- there was a lot of incubation mm-hmm. involved and that, that, uh, that I think is what, is what I hope to be, uh, continuing to do is to be a part of these long, long, slow burn kind of processes of pursuing these these wild ideas of trying to work into being yeah, incubator. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so are you always um, looking for 
like like do you go see ETW independent projects? Do you no, or are you I sort mean, of only I, looking at the bard stuff? Well, I kind of I mean I go I see I still try to see a lot of work mm-hmm. in, in the city. Um and now now my uh my portfolio is very multidisciplinary, so I'm trying to see, I see a lot of dance, I see a lot of theater, I see a lot of performance. Um, and I think that, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I, I feel like I have to, it's it's a responsibility to like have a have an awareness and a consciousness of what's, what's happening. Mm-hmm. Because, um, you want to be, I want to be responsive, or I think like that's as, as a, if when you're, when you're in a producing or curatorial position, I think you want to, um, you want to, you want to be going with, going in the direction that artists are going Mm -hmm. and knowing what they're, what's, uh, what's on their minds what's manifesting in their work, uh, what questions they're asking, what, um, what are the conditions in which that they're making their work, um, in the world and in the, and in the city. Uh, and especially I think as the city becomes less and less, uh, friendly to artists Mm -hmm. in a real estate sense (laughs) and in an economic sense that um it's really essential to pay attention to how the creative community survives and uh how they are resilient to any of these roadblocks are you yeah. still involved with the Catch series? Yeah, yeah. So that's been, I think, the um, we're on a we we are on a uh, an unplanned hiatus, I guess you would say, <laughs> or have been for the past year and a half. Um, mm-hmm. Just because I think you know that's a, it's a good example of this thing that we did for so long for for free because mm-hmm. we loved it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it was, uh, it was our hobby in a way of, um, putting together these events. Uh, would t- so where were those costs coming from? Like, cause obviously you were renting spaces yeah. to put on these yeah. work well, it showcases. Was, so the, the whole, um, way that catch operates is, uh, zero is like zero to zero. Like we would, everything that we would need for to put on the show we would we would essentially front the money and then uh charge admission and cover it back and then like anything that was left over got split evenly amongst everyone who was a part of the the show of the artists um so you know it was we never had any responsibility to manage administratively mm-hmm. like any like a budget or and, and it was never it's like not a uh, an 
an official entity. Like, uh, there's no, like... It's not a non-profit. Yeah, yeah. no, there's, like, the no, no, um, incorporation. Do you, do you, do you see, do you see in the, down the pipeline that being more institutionalized? No, no, we didn't. And I think that we never wanted it. It was, we, we didn't want it to be, and we didn't, because that, that was what was special about it. Um, Are you a founder? So no, so it was, but it, it, so the catch was started in 2007 by Jenny Seastone Stern, who was also an ETW alum. Mm -hmm. And then a year into that, she brought on Andrew Dinwiddie to help her run the series. Then she stepped away and Andrew asked Jeff Larson to come on and then they did it together for a couple years and then I came on. Mm. So, but we, like all of those, all of the four of us who have been in that, um, have, have like led the, led the charge are all ETW alums. Yeah. Uh, and, um, we never wanted to, it was always like the thing of like, well, we're, we, we always said like, well, we'll do this for as long as like people will keep coming and artists will, will want to show their work in this context and that it doesn't, and that it doesn't like take more for, of us then we are able to give it at any given moment. And I think that that's why, part of the reason why it's been more and more difficult to, like, continue keeping it going is just because, like, we've all gotten um, busy in our professional lives. Mm -hmm. And that it's, uh, but it's it's sad. Some I get sad sometimes because I'm like, I'd love, I, you know, it just feels like, Maybe you, you should invite a more this. recent graduate. I know, I know. Kind of we always are like also like, like you had well, filled someone's shoes. Yeah, and you came on board. Like continue. Yeah, that. and we talk about That's that too. Goal. Of like, you know, do we just pass this? Do we pass it on? Yeah. Do we like let it sort of? Do we let it like organically something else come up in its place? Or um, yeah, I and I don't know the the answer to that but I think we're we're thinking about it a lot and mm -hmm. uh wondering like what the what the next step should be it's really amazing like yeah. that we do like I think so many people have this mentality like the, the scene exists and they're really just fighting to try to be a part of it but it's like the reality is like you create the scene like you yeah. are the scene like catch is a well, huge part of the you know New York experimental theater scene, but this is just you guys just did it, you know. And it's like you know, I yeah, know, it's and really it wasn't, cool. yeah, I'm just trying and to say it's no, awesome, well, thank really you. awesome. Yeah, no, it was. Yeah. It's it's been it's always so fun, and it's and it's um, it's it's you know a good reminder that there is still um this creative life and creative uh community in the city that's mm -hmm. thriving and. And it grew out, it like really grew out of necessity because it, it grew from you know, like people being like, we, we want to, like art, 
this thing like we want to we want to chill and relaxed kind of peer to peer exchange of getting together and trying out some ideas mm -hmm. and um, that just continued to grow and uh, turn into a turn into a party that <laughs> made it you know just like a a place to like hang out and get to to see people and have a fun time but also to um be like a safe space to try out ideas what message would you give to any makers out there that are stuck that are stuck or feel stuck. um or yeah yeah i mean <laughs> I think that it would be to figure out what void, like to, to try to try to find the void that you can fill. Um, like, what are you seeing? Like, what are you not seeing that you wish you saw? And um, if you could do that, you know, like if you could fill that up, or you, if you could do anything that would fill this void that you that you think is there, then um, maybe other people will also appreciate that you that you filled that void, and then like you'll find your way out of it, uh, out of that being stuck because you're able to be useful or make something useful, make something that um, is creating space for other people. Uh, to motivate them or to inspire them. And it goes back to what I was saying at the beginning, like no one is going to give you permission to do that. So um, give it to yourself. Yeah. Give it to yourself. Love that like, circle back. Yeah. Give yourself permission to unstick yourself. <laughs> well, thank yeah. you so no, much thank for having you. us here. Yeah. yeah. Beautiful, kitschy apartment <laughs> with lots of Dolly Parton. Mm -hmm. Love her. And there's a um, Shakespeare rubber ducky in the bathroom. That's true. So I won't expose any more yeah. of your secrets. <laughs> Definitely had to put those out there. I appreciate it. Thanks again, that. Caleb. No, thank, thank you. you. Yeah.